The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, a recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Benjamin Dolly. Governor Ralph Northam announced funding priorities for behavioral health care this week. They include cash to stabilize the state's understaffed mental health hospitals and improve substance abuse treatment. Patrick Larson reports. The total recommended spend is $485 million from federal and state funds. The top priority, getting money to state behavioral health hospitals, five of which began limiting available beds this month due to inadequate staffing. Governor Northam suggests $200 million there. The allocation doesn't directly support private hospitals, which are also asking for an injection of cash. Another big spend is recommended for substance abuse treatment, over $100 million to combat the rapidly worsening opioid epidemic. Virginia saw a 40% increase in overdose deaths last year. Patrick Larson, VPM News. Yesterday, Republican candidate for governor Glenn Youngkin proposed using more than half of the Commonwealth's estimated $2.6 billion budget surplus on a tax rebate for Virginians. According to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, Youngkin is calling on the state to send $300 to individuals and $600 to families, and he wants to delay the implementation of a new higher tax on gas by one year, bringing the combined price tag to $1.5 billion. This comes as legislators are set to meet in Richmond next week to debate Governor Ralph Northam's proposal for spending over $4 billion of federal relief funds. However, in this special session, legislators will not decide how Virginia will use its surplus. Lawmakers will make that choice in January, after the November elections for governor and the House of Delegates. A federal eviction ban ends Saturday. It comes as more than 60,000 Virginians say they could lose their home soon because they're struggling to make rent. That's according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Sam Turkin of partner station WHRV reports. Andrew Duncan is a carpenter from Portsmouth. During the pandemic last year, work dried up to the point where he accrued $15,000 in unpaid rent. The federal moratorium blocked his eviction until he got help from a Virginia rent relief program. Work's been better, but if he falls behind again, Duncan fears he won't get so lucky. I'm still comprehending the pandemic. If you go a week without a paycheck, it's going to set you back a month. The nationwide eviction ban has been in effect since September. We are very worried that we're going to see a big uptick in evictions with these protections expiring. Christine Mira is a housing advocate with the Virginia Poverty Law Center. Think about how hard it will be for people who are maybe working part-time, who used to work full-time and still trying to get caught up in their rent. Federal officials have already extended the moratorium several times, but last month the Supreme Court suggested it exceeds the Biden administration's authority and it can't continue any longer. The White House says Congress should pass its own extension as an end around. That was Sam Turkin from partner station WHRV. The Virginia Department of Health has issued a recreational water advisory that extends from the James River at Robius Landing Park to include all of Belle Isle. For the safety of people and pets, VDH is advising that recreational water activities such as swimming, tubing, and whitewater kayaking should be avoided. VDH announced the advisory out of an abundance of caution 
due to the release of about 300,000 gallons of raw, undiluted sewage into Tuckahoe Creek on Wednesday. Boating, fishing, and canoeing may continue with proper caution to avoid contact with the water. VDH has observed no evidence of impacts to drinking water at this time. Partner station WHRV is reporting that there may be significant new business opportunities soon near Naval Air Station Oceana in Virginia Beach. The Navy plans to lease about 400 acres of land around the base. Navy officials are weighing the move partly to defray the high costs of maintenance at the aging facility, said Oceana's commanding officer, Captain John Hewitt. We just invested $70 million into resurfacing uh, the airfield, uh, but we're starting to see some of our age in the hangars. Um, and that's my, that's my core mission. That's my core infrastructure. Hewitt says the Navy and the city of Virginia Beach plan to sign a non-binding agreement to proceed with the plan next week. If all goes as planned, among the possible lessees is Dominion Energy, which has been in talks with Navy officials to use a parcel at the base for its coastal Virginia offshore wind project. Hewitt said a deal with Dominion would be the, quote, first win on the board. The Virginia Department of Health reported over 1,000 daily new cases of COVID-19 in the state on Wednesday. It's the first time the number has topped 1,000 since April, according to the Richmond Times-Dispatch. This comes after new CDC guidance that vaccinated people should resume wearing masks indoors to guard against the more contagious Delta variant, which is currently the dominant strain in the country. As of Wednesday, 448 people in Virginia are currently hospitalized due to COVID-19. VDH updates the statewide COVID-19 dashboard each day at 10 a.m. For many Virginia students, the first day of school is still a month away. But on Monday, students across the district in Hopewell City Public Schools returned for a new year, and they became the first in the state to launch a district-wide year-round school schedule. Megan Pauley was there and has this report. Students at Hopewell High formed a long line to enter the school building for the first time in over a year. Freshmen Kazaya and Desenay walked up to friends in line to say hi. They're glad to be back in person, even with a new calendar. It's okay. I mean, it's weird going to school in July. Yeah, but it's okay. Hopewell High Assistant Principal Larry Cherry is also glad students are back. He was outside making sure they knew where to go for their first class of the day. This would be all good. You got a schedule? He said one of the hardest things about the last school year was not being able to provide more emotional support to students who needed it. So a lot of, a lot of kids had one-on-one -on -one connections with certain people in the building, um, and they wasn't able to have that. So... Because of that, we dealt with students with like a lot of depression, anxiety. Now kids can make these connections again, even if they have to smile behind masks. Cherry says the switch to year-round schooling at Hopewell is welcome, especially after a year of COVID and virtual instruction. I've been as kids, students were out so long, um, and trying to catch them up on the information that, that they missed and just the opportunity to be around their friends. At Hopewell, students now have 45 days of instruction, followed by 15 days of optional courses and experiences. Becky Minitree, a library media specialist for Hopewell, recognizes that this schedule is a big adjustment, but she thinks it'll have a positive impact on student achievement. They don't need 10 weeks off in the summertime. Sure, we need the time off and so do they. But the shorter break, they won't have all of that summer slide that they have where you spend the first month of school reteaching what they learned in May and June. Instead of one long summer break, students will have breaks that are two to four weeks long. 
During this time, they can enroll in optional courses called intercessions. Byron Davis, who helps lead the district's schedule change, says every teacher gets to design and teach their own intercession on a topic they're passionate about. So suddenly, instead of people kind of being forced into a box of this is what instruction should look like, teachers are able to bring their energy and passion. And the energy and passion is what's infectious and changes the environment in a learning setting. The hope is this environment will open up more opportunities for students to follow their passions as well. Like 16-year-old Junior Mason, whose teacher took him up on the idea of building a special tall table for his classroom because he's tall. And our teacher was like, yeah, y'all can make that for a project. And I was like, oh, really? And then we did it. And then... And then that table is now in his room, just chilling there, and it's got our names on it, the people I did it with. Keeping students engaged was largely the motivation and the why for moving to the year-round schedule in the first place. And as the new school year begins, leaders are trying to create an atmosphere where students want to be and where they're supported to succeed. That was Megan Pauley reporting. This is VPM News. This newscast was recorded on... Thursday, July 29th at 6 p.m. Some of these stories may have changed from the time you've heard them. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyVPM. VPM. There are so many issues playing out in RVA. I mean, pretty much anyone will tell you. There's definitely a lot of poverty. Finding affordable housing. Traffic, public transportation. Climate change and heat islands. Trying to find childcare in Richmond area. I'm Rich Marr, host of a new VPM podcast called RVA's Got Issues. Listen to the podcast starting May 22nd. Do you have issues with RVA? Haven't found out yet. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> 